This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here with the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, I think you can hear my voice is getting better. I was uh, under the weather the last couple of days, all right? I had um, a bit of a stuffy nose, more like a head cold. I didn't run out there and let them shove a COVID test up into the back of my brain. No, 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 folks. I just toughed it out okay i just took a little bit of vitamin c drank some tea kept doing the show went to the ymca probably spread around my covid germs or whatever it is that i had but no i don't freak myself out a lot of this is state of mind folks just say you know i don't have anything bad and within a couple of days you get better so right now i feel great the only thing is my nose is a little bit stuffed up and that should be all cleared up within the next day or two ladies and gentlemen all right i want to thank all of you out there at pain.tv slash gold the intel is flying folks people are sending me so much information just had a back and forth direct message conversation with someone who sends me a lot of intelligence at pain.tv slash gold but they are somewhat bashful and so they don't want to come on the show which is unfortunate because there is so much information that they have studied which is stuff that i haven't studied over the years and I thought this will make for a great conversation because sometimes people will send me stuff and they're like, look at these books and this book and that book and this thing. And I'm like, okay, it would take me, you know, a hundred hours just to read what you sent me and you've been studying it for 20 years. So anyway, I'm going to try to work through this stuff and then be able to present it to you soon. So thank you very much to that person who wants to remain anonymous. I think you know who you are. I want to give a shout out to Loose Head Tony over at pain.tv slash gold loose head tony was hated me in the beginning he couldn't stand me and uh he just sent a message over that he has been recommending the show to friends of his that are looking for this type of information so loose head tony i appreciate that we appreciate the pickle recipes you've sent over uh and everything else so i told you i'm not a bad guy look i can't be for everyone some people aren't going to like my style that's just the way it is there's nothing i can do about that so uh thank you very much for for hanging 
being in there with us and sharing the show with your friends. Uh, to everyone else at pain.tv slash gold, there's so many of you. Thank you. I'm going to get some of the articles and stuff you sent over to me in the next couple of shows. I appreciate it. Everyone on Twitter, I appreciate you reaching out there and over at the Telegram account. You can access any of these from the description below the podcast. They put the links to all the social media there. And to thank you uh, to everyone who left a five-star review and a comment at Apple Podcasts, please continue to do so. The show is growing literally every day. It's getting bigger and bigger, and we really appreciate that. And to everyone who joined pain.tv slash gold, thank you very much. I'm starting to work up a detailed list of how we're going to expand out the premium section there, and hopefully we'll have a meeting with Commander Mike Moore in the next few days and figure out what technology we need to get that done. If I'm going to have to do some of that on another platform, I don't know. We'll work it out, though, folks. We will work it out. Uh, before we go back into Dr. James Gio, Dono. And I just want to say, um, I actually listened to that podcast yesterday, episode 65. Uh, I was in the car today. I had to go get a haircut and run some errands. So I listened to that episode because in all honesty, I was a little stuffed up yesterday and I almost did not remember what I talked about when I recorded the show. So uh, I went back and listened, and there were some amazing nuggets that we picked up out of there. This is some pretty damning information. Uh, not that these guys are ever going to get in trouble for what they do, but it allows us to figure out where they are headed with this and then to be able to try to insulate ourselves from it as much as we so choose in our respective individual lives. But we pulled out a lot of information. So I'm going to start with a couple of other pieces first, and then we're going to get back into James Giordano. And let me just explain my reasoning behind this. I try to keep these shows at between two and two and a half hours, and then I record the trailer to the show called the Dustin Gold Nugget that Mike Moore uses to plug the show over on his channel, and then I also run on this channel, so it comes out at around somewhere between 7 and 8.30 p.m., and that way people can listen to it and they'll know what the midnight release is going to be. And if I do two hours straight of James Giordano, my head will explode. This guy talks so fast, he's so detailed, he gives us so much intelligence, but if I try to cram all that into two hours, I mean, seriously, folks, my head will explode. I was talking to Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Payne podcast today in a private conversation. Um, she is the one who turned me on to James Giordano years ago. And I said to her, it's like he's this game show announcer, this radio host. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, I am James Giordano. I am here to hack your mind. I am here to control your mind, ladies and gentlemen. What we're going to do is we're going to stuff psychedelics down your throat and plant a brain chip inside your head, and we are going to extract your thoughts. That's what we're going to do here in the neuroscience community. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dr. James Giordano. You're like, what is this guy talking about? So I have to keep pausing it, as you saw. So let me open up with some some other stuff first uh, up on the screen i actually have my twitter account at hackable animal up because there's some stuff you guys have been sending me and i just want to cover this before i lose track of it first off someone had shared um it's a thread by joseph lee md and that's uh, at lee lasik l-e-e-l-a-r-l-a-s-i-k 
And it says here he's a LASIK surgeon, 80,000 cases in 24 years. I have proof that Dr. Fauci covered up the biggest medical mistake ever. The COVID antibody has no path into the lung. That's his description on Twitter. All right. And he's got a website, lungvirus.com. It says this account goes back to May 2015. He has 9,920 followers as of today. And somebody sent this to me. And there's a lot of this kind of stuff flying around uh, on the Internet. And so this was the tweet they sent. It said, and this is from October 13th, 2022. And I wanted to cover this just because I don't do a lot of the COVID stuff. I don't dedicate entire shows to COVID land, the high school theater production. You've heard me talk about it, but I don't like to get into the minutia because I've explained here on the show that at the end of the day, we're never really going to know uh, all the details. I like to look at the type of injections and shots that the government admits they have, you know, and then start to try to make predictions, give my opinion on where this stuff could be going. But at the end of the day, we're never going to know. But here's, here's the tweet that was sent to me. It says, and this is Joseph Lee, MD, supposedly. It says, I have proof that Dr. Fauci covered up the biggest medical mistake in history, the COVID antibody has no path into the lung. When I discovered this, I let Dr. Fauci know. I did run it by my mentor, the director of uh, Optho at Johns Hopkins. Okay, and then there is a huge thread on this, and I'll just read a couple on this thread because I just want to show you something here, but uh, that was tweet one. So then tweet 1.2 is, I couldn't believe the size of the mistake either, and I mulled over it and talked to a lot of people. No one had an answer. Isn't it ridiculous? The COVID antibody never enters the lung. Wasn't that the whole point of the vaccine to help the lung in an infection? This is tweet 1.3. But finally, I wrote the page or two letter and sent it to Dr. Fauci and several other directors and certified letters to every member in Congress. When I had previously discussed it with my mentor, he listened quietly and then told me I would be going to Stockholm. And I'll just read you one more. 1.4. I really thought that would end the COVID vaccine. This was about two years ago, so before the vaccine approval. But no, I received a reply from Dr. Emily Erdening, who who thanked for sending the letter, and there's a lot of typos in this, who thanked for sending the letter to several directors, including Dr. Fauci. Okay, so this thread uh, goes on. All the way, I don't know, there's got to be, what, let me see, for one, I don't know, there's got to be a hundred, maybe a hundred tweets in this thread, so I'm not going to go through all of it. But my initial reaction to this, folks, and let me just read you the first one again, it says, the first sentence of the first tweet, it says, I have proof that Dr. Fauci covered up the biggest medical mistake in history now this tweet put out on october 13 2022 has 9150 retweets 1507 quoted tweets and 16900 likes 
Now, here's the problem with this, and this is my initial reaction. I said the word mistake, okay, where it says, again, I have proof that Dr. Fauci covered up the biggest medical mistake in history. And this person, Joseph Lee MD, uses the word mistake throughout his thread. Well, my first reaction is the word mistake leads me to believe this person is a disinfo agent. This was no mistake. This was intentional. Also, I will never let the state off the hook. They aren't going to get away with making Fauci the solo fall guy. Because, as it says here, again, I have proof that Dr. Fauci covered up the biggest medical mistake in history. So, the entire premise of this thread is that this was a mistake and that Dr. Fauci is responsible for covering up a mistake. So do you see the purpose of the tweet, the purpose of the thread? The thread is not to expose the truth. The thread is to help sell a lie. And the lie is that one, all of this was a mistake and that two, it's a mistake that was covered up by Dr. Fauci. Therefore, it allows the system under this narrative, the system, to blame it all on Dr. Fauci rather than the system, the state, being held responsible for possibly mass genocide. We don't know the outcome of this yet. Uh, I think we'll see more of this over the next two years probably unfold. But so, one, it tries to pass the blame solely to Fauci, who's probably paid handsomely to be the fall guy, or one of the fall guys. And two, was that this was a mistake. And I don't believe it was a mistake. I, do you really believe these people didn't know what was in the vaccine? I don't think they're being honest, or, or, or they're, nor will they admit anytime soon what was actually in the vial, in the vial that contained the so-called mRNA vaccine. At the very best, we're supposed to believe that this was a vaccine that just wasn't tested and it was rushed out. But at the very worst... I don't know. This could be rat poison, folks. It could be a government stem cell designed to give you cancer. And so when people send me this kind of stuff, I don't mean to lash out, but I try to point out the truth that it is worded so clearly that Fauci covered up the biggest medical mistake in history. There was no mistake. He covered up nothing because it wasn't a mistake and you can't put all the blame on Fauci. He is part of the system. The entire system needs to be destroyed, not just Dr. Fauci. So that's, that's, I wanted to bring that up because people send me this stuff all the time and continue to send it to me. I love giving my opinion on these things, but uh, that's where I come from on this. I, I don't believe that these, you know, people that show up out of nowhere uh, that are like supposedly these doctors and they have the proof of this and the proof of that. And I'm going to show you another one, folks. It's not just that one. There's another uh, tweet that's spreading far and wide that uh, I also had to comment on. This is a uh let's see this was sent to me by a dear friend of the show as well and this is from alexandros marinos and this is deconstructing evidence-based medicine from the inside out 
And I will read you that right when I get back. And you'll see again, we can easily dissect this stuff as disinformation, at least in my opinion. Anytime you try to pass off this stuff as some kind of a mistake or a mishap or a big error, to me, that's a red flag that you are trying to push us off onto the wrong trail. And that would be disinformation or misinformation or a straight up and total lie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Ladies and gentlemen, folks, I just have to point this stuff out, ladies and gentlemen, because so many people just jump on this. So this is a tweet here. Let me just see who this is. This is Alexandros Marinos, and this is Twitter at Alexandros M A L E X A N D R O S. It says founder CEO of Belena.io and aspiring practical philosopher systems thinking is the way to a positive some civilization uh i don't know hashtag game b hashtag occupy universe and this says uh this person joined in may 2008 you know just for the heck of it i'm going to click their website and see what it is if it'll open up Okay, it's Belena IO. Build your IoT project with Belena uh, Internet of Things project. So this guy, okay, so this guy says he's the founder and CEO of an Internet of Things. We've covered that here, an Internet of Things company. And uh, yet, this is the tweet that was shared with me. It says deconstructing evidence-based medicine from the inside out. At first, I was shocked with what I was finding. How could anyone not have seen this? Well, I was wrong. People have definitely seen it and have spoken out in peer-reviewed journals. Nobody in power cares. Okay, so that's what this person is saying. This is a tweet from October 18th. 1,576 retweets, 198 quoted tweets, and 4,091 likes. And so this is from supposedly a founder and CEO of an Internet of Things company. And uh, let's just see. So this is a long thread, too, with a bunch of information. And so it says, let's read the first tweet. Let's start with this excellent paper by Leonid Hannon. And so it's got a link to a paper, BMC Medical Research Methodology, Why Statistical uh, Inference from Clinical Trials is Likely to Generate False uh, and Irreproducible Results. Goes on to another one, an incredible piece that is extremely reliable and uncovers the whole mess. This is why statistical inference from clinical trials is likely to generate false okay this is like another piece they're showing then they've got oh come on alex this is some 
uh, professor from Idaho with a 23H index. Is this your refutation? And so what he's doing is he's showing literally a collection of clips. Uh, each uh, tweet in the thread is a clip. It's an article. It is a piece, uh, uh, you know, a clip from an interview, a screenshot of a chart. But if you actually go through this, and there's got to be, let's take a look, folks. There's got to be, I don't know, 25, maybe 30, 40 tweets in this. But see, my reaction to this, again, I wasn't trying to be rude to anyone, but um, somebody tagged me in a, who's a fan of the show. I said, the issue I have with this stuff is that it allows the state to say, quote, okay, we made a mistake, end quote. This is not a mistake. They knew what they were doing. Depopulation and maybe hooking some people up to nanobots. These quote-unquote experts just add to the quote, we made a mistake, end quote, narrative. So if you see what's actually going on here as more of these tweets and these threads are coming out as you're seeing tucker carlson admit to the fact that mrna is leaching through a woman's uh, breast milk as you're seeing them admit to the fact that mrna is uh, messing with women's menstrual cycles you're starting to hear more damaging information about women who got vaccinated while pregnant you're starting to see more people dropping dead on the stage Although I had an interesting sidebar conversation with a couple of people at pain.tv slash gold wondering if the people we're seeing drop on the stage and start twitching were actually uh, cyborg human trials. But uh, no, folks, so what happens, though, is that you're seeing these threads roll out. And if you look at Spar's pandemic, and I'm going to get into this with Marie Albanese shortly. They laid out the game plan, and it's supposed to be that a couple years into COVID land, the high school theater production, they're going to start letting all the real information flow out uh, and basically cause chaos with this stuff. So it's not a surprise that you're seeing this stuff come out. But when people keep saying it was a mistake, oh, this study said it was a mistake, or this study said it was this, to me, that's all part of the disinformation. I don't believe in any way whatsoever there was a mistake made. What do you think? The entire government, of which these people are not incompetent, folks. They have power over the whole world. They're highly competent. They all got on board with Trump, going, Operation Warp Speed, we're going to roll it out, we're going to do the vaccine everywhere, oh, sir, it's not ready for prime time. Yes, it is, and they hate him, They want, and they just let the whole thing roll out, and they just started sticking people with jabs, they didn't know what they were going to do. Of course they did, folks. Of course they did. The damage being done was exactly what was expected, folks. That's what I think. Uh, here's an article somebody tagged me in. Uh, I just want to put it here. Uh, this is Uber Eats now delivering weed in Toronto. And this was an article at High Time. So now Uber Eats is delivering pot in Canada. I think what you're going to see this lead to is eventually Uber Eats will be delivering uh psychedelics folks i've been having some conversations off the record with some mental health workers and we've been talking about what we covered here over the last several episodes 
and they acknowledge that yes the vr headsets the ar goggles the psychedelics are coming and within that industry there is a big push to diagnose more people with mental illness and there is this narrative that there are not enough mental health care workers of which they told me there are not if there is going to continue to be a rise in mental illness and so the push is to move everyone over into a vr basically loading system where they'll talk to an ai psychiatrist an ai social worker and so uh, we are going to see a big push uh, towards uh, toward the psychedelics and the vr and ar goggles all right so that is all coming ladies and gentlemen all right Another piece I just want to hit on quickly, and we're getting ready to bring back uh, James Giordano, the fine doctor, lecturing West Point Military Academy in 2018. But this was sent to me by Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays. I just want to bring this up because uh, we are always supposed to believe if we live in the WWE clown world surface level circus that either Texas or Florida are our saviors. There's some sort of conservative bastions if you identify as a conservative. Uh, This was an interesting article sent to me by Maria Albanese. It says here at theguardian.com, Texas students to get ID kits to identify children's bodies in emergencies. Parents express frustration that the state seems to be preparing for child deaths without addressing gun control. Oh, yes, I'm sure that is what the parents are all complaining about. I'd be complaining, why are you trying to get my child's DNA? But it says here, folks, millions of Texas children will get identification kits designed for parents to collect fingerprints and DNA to be used in case their kids are in an emergency such as a school shooting. Nearly 4 million Texans from kindergarten through grade 8 will bring home a trifold pamphlet this month in which parents can place their children's fingerprints, photo, and a DNA sample. According to ABC 13, in 2021, the state legislature passed a law requiring all school districts and open enrollment charter schools to provide the kits to parents. The measure was passed three years after a deadly shooting at Santa Fe High School that left eight students and two teachers dead. Earlier this year, a shooter at Robb Elementary School in uh, Uvalde killed 19 fourth graders and two teachers. Parents do not have to use the kits, but some express frustration that the state seemed to be preparing for inevitable child deaths without addressing gun control. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican seeking re-election this year, has fiercely resisted any efforts to limit access to firearms. But this isn't about firearms, folks. This is about the tests. This is about turning your DNA, fingerprints, and information over to the school under the guise of protecting your child from being killed in a mass shooting quote it was almost like the state just throwing their hands up and saying quote we can't do anything about the guns we're not going to change any of the laws so therefore the next best thing is to make sure that we can identify your k through eighth grader if they are killed in any type of school incident end quote anthony crotch a parrot in clear creek told abc 13 
Tracy Wadler, who was a daughter in the second grade, told NBC she struggled to find words to describe her feelings around the kits. Quote, this sends two messages. The first is that the government is not going to do anything to solve the problem. This is their way of telling us that, she told NBC. Quote, the second is that us parents are now forced to have conversations with our kids that they may not be emotionally ready for. My daughter is seven. What do I tell her? End quote. Tell her that you're going to give up her DNA to the school, to the government, so that they can use her DNA profile in building designer babies on behalf of Orchid Biosciences and Peter Thiel and his buddies over there in Frankenstein land. Folks, what I'm just getting at here, I'm not going to do this whole article, but at the end of the day, the government is always creating problems, provoking reactions, and then offering the solutions. And the solutions, time and time again, are to give up your liberty, give up your freedom, and give up your human autonomy in trade for false security and in trade for... Uh, fake perceived convenience and so no one's going to protect your kid except for you you're that concerned take your kid out and homeschool it and uh i know we had a guest on here who said well that's not always the solution people can't always do that well look for co-op groups start co-op groups find like-minded parents get your kids the hell out of the public indoctrination centers stop complaining about it just withdraw from the system step out of the matrix unplug from the matrix and definitely folks i wouldn't be turning your kids dna and fingerprints over to any government anywhere no matter how good you think they are if that government is good today trust me it will be bad tomorrow folks do not do it just say no withdraw from the system whenever you can and this is a situation where if the government mailed me a trifold to put my kids fingerprints and their dna and their photo inside there for the government so they could identify my kid uh, after it gets killed in their public indoctrination center that would be me saying goodbye time to check out it is homeschool time ladies and gentlemen get your kids out of these death camps i'll be right back ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold you are listening to pain.tv slash gold and this is the dustin gold standard you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on paint.tv slash gold. All right, folks, I have a question for you. Have you sought treatment for your child for anxiety or other mental health conditions? We want to hear from you as part of our reporting. This is a commercial, folks. The first one, I'm kidding. This is not a commercial. I would never promote this type of nonsense. This was a tweet that Maria Albanese 
co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Friday sent over to me from PBS News Hour. And there's a big graphic, folks. It says, question, has your child sought out mental health services or treatment? We want to talk to you as part of our reporting. Please fill out our form. All right, so... What the heck? I jump over here. I'm like, here we go, right? I told you, orchestrated rise of mental illness. Some mental illness they're actually causing with the fourth industrial revolution, with COVID land, the high school theater production, locking people up in solitary confinement, taking away people's jobs, displacing them with robots and artificial intelligence, the rise in inflation, the rise in gas prices, the rise in heating oil and energy And so they are going to cause mental illness. Then they are going to take a lot of things that are not mental illness and misdiagnose people intentionally or just rebrand, redefine things that are not mental illness and turn them into mental illness. And the goal, I told you, is to eventually move all of these people into this uh ar vr driven healthcare, mental health care and to load people up on psychedelics using companies like mindbloom.com where you can order psychedelic ketamine and dose up at home while you strap on a vr headset this is coming folks and so once i bring these things up on the show everybody starts sending me information and no folks this is not just confirmation bias this isn't just because i mentioned it you're seeing it everywhere it's i mentioned it because it's everywhere and now you're just taking notice of it this is intentional folks so what the heck we go over to the pbs uh news hours little form here and it's hosted as a google doc and it says has your child sought out mental health services or treatment pbs news hour wants to hear from you okay folks just like with texas and the dna and the fingerprints don't send it to them don't fill this out don't give pbs news hour any information on your child or if they sought out mental health services According to CDC data collected prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, around 5.8 million children have been diagnosed with anxiety, while 2.7 million have been diagnosed with depression. Some children may not have been diagnosed or received a misdiagnosis. Oh, some may have not been diagnosed because you didn't bring them there, and some may have been misdiagnosed telling you that they don't have it when they really do we want to get every kid diagnosed with mental illness goes on to say now a group of medical experts is recommending that united states children and uh aged 8 to 18 receive screenings for anxiety and don't worry i'll show you this group in a second as part of pbs news hours reporting on this our team wants to hear from parents of children who have sought out mental health services or treatment of course you do it says your responses will be shared with pbs news hour staff and we may use them on pbs new hour uh, news hours broadcast online and social media platforms a producer or reporter from our team may be in touch with you and so if you filled this out this is what they're asking for this is pbs news hour have you sought treatment for your child for anxiety or other mental health conditions you can answer yes no or no but we're considering it i mean who the hell would go online and fill this out i mean in all honesty 
Who would want to fill this out and share this information with PBS NewsHour? It goes on, question two. Why did you seek out mental health care, treatment, or services for your child? Number three, is your child receiving or seeking treatment currently? If so, explain the logistics of that process. Number four, if you found treatment, how much treatment affected your child? Has their mental health and well-being improved? The next one, have you ever felt that your child's mental health was not taken seriously by health professionals? Have you felt that your child was diagnosed or put on medication too quickly? Or were misdiagnosed? And you can answer, yes, they were put on medication too quickly. Yes, they were misdiagnosed. No, or other. It goes on. Please tell us a little about yourself and your child. What is your name? What is your child's name? Oh, yeah. Just give up this information to PBS, folks. Where do you and your child live? City and state territory or Washington, D.C.? Wow. You see this? People actually go and fill this out, folks. How old is your child? By the time you answer these questions out of order, you don't realize how much data they just lifted off you. Goes on, what are your and your child's pronouns? What are your races and ethnicities? It says a producer may want to contact you to hear more about your story. What is your preferred email address and phone number? Unbelievable. Wow. So this stemmed from this tweet. Let me see how many. Oh, the good news, folks. The good news. This is PBS NewsHour. They're a blue check mark, okay? They have 1.2 million followers, supposedly. And this tweet comes out on October 20th. So that was, uh, what, today? And it's basic. it has two retweets, four likes, one quote. That's fantastic. Wow. So people ignored this from a blue checkmark account. Thank God. You know what, folks? That means, just give me one second. I'm going to show you something, though. So I went over there. Remember, if you're on their form, and it says, now our group of medical experts is recommending that U.S. children aged 8 to 18 receive screenings for anxiety. You go back to this uh, link, and it's United States Preventative Services Task Force. And that's at uspreventativeservicestaskforce.org. And it says, anxiety in children and adolescents screening, October 11th. And this says, recommendations made by U.S. PSTF or independent of the U.S. government. They should not be construed as an official position of the Agency for Health Research and Quality or the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And then um, it goes on to say the recommendation summary, children and adolescents age 8 to 18 years old, USP. STF recommends screening for anxiety in children and adolescents age 8 to 18 years, and then children 7 years or younger. USPSTF concludes that the current evidence is insufficient to assess the balance of benefits and harms of screening for anxiety in children 7 or younger. Ooh, they're letting 7 and younger off the hook until today. But this site here has a boatload 
of information. And basically, they are really working hard to push parents into having their children screened for mental illness. I almost feel like, you know, folk, we don't do enough stuff on here, I think, that's fun. I mean, I do the voices. I work in the hacky impressions. I like to break chops. But we get into so much darkness sometimes that I think we have to be... We have. I'm trying to get a old um, podcasting friend of mine on Steve. Uh, he moved recently, picked up, exited the Matrix, moved to Idaho from uh, outside of Portland, and just finally got settled back in. He's rebuilding his studio, and I'm going to start getting him to come on. He studies a lot of this stuff. He's uh, studied theology over the years, traveled the world, and so I'm going to start bringing him on. He's a funny guy. Start bringing some entertainment into the show so it's not always so dark. But this is something I'm wondering on this PBS stuff. We should fill this out. I'm thinking we should fill it out and see if they actually call us back. So, have you sought treatment for your child for anxiety or other mental health conditions? Let's say no, but we're considering it. Uh, Why did you seek out mental health care treatment or services for your child? Let's say, my child identifies as a rusty... um, identifies as a rusty nail on Wednesdays and on Fridays it identifies as a as an Italian leather couch yeah I think that works right So we'll say, have you sought treatment for child, for anxiety, or other mental health conditions? No, but we're considering it. And we're doing this for a reason, folks. Let's have a little fun with these people, especially since basically no one retweeted that tweet. It says, why did you seek out mental health care or services for your child? My child identifies as a rusty nail on Wednesdays, and on Fridays, it identifies as an Italian leather couch. Is your child receiving or seeking treatment currently? If so, explain the logistics of that process. Uh, My child is not receiving treatment, but has been seeking it out, not in the traditional sense, but through a drug dealer in our building yeah that's it my child is not receiving treatment but has been let's see hold on trying to type and look not in the traditional sense but through a drug dealer in our building if you found treatment how has treatment affected your child has their mental health and well-being improved I said they have not. Are we have to sound a little crazy while we're filling this out? I said I have not. Are you crazy? Question mark. <laughs> have you ever felt that your child's mental health was not taken seriously by health professionals? Yes. My child's last doctor told my child that it was okay to identify as a can 
of tuna fish. All right. So have you ever felt that your child's mental health was not taken seriously by professionals? Yes. My child's last doctor told my child that it was okay to identify as a can of tuna fish. Have you felt that your child was diagnosed or put on medication too quickly or were misdiagnosed? Let's say, uh, yes, they were put on medication too quickly. Okay. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and your child. What is your name? What is your child's name? My name is, and I'm going to just use my name because if they call back, I'm going to give them my real information. We'll see if they call back. And then this way, we'll at least have a recording. Maybe we can get them on the show. My name is Dustin. My child's name is uh, It. My child. No, what should we say the child's name is? My name is Dustin. My child identifies as... Um, my, my child identifies as Bigfoot most of the time, but birth name is, we'll say Pat, Pat, P-A-T, just like I remember Saturday Night Live, Pat. Where do you and your child live? City and state territory. Let's just say Washington, D.C., Washington, dc how old is your child my child identifies as 11 decades old 11 decades old what are uh what are your and your child's pronouns what races ethnicities uh i am a he and my child is uh a he slash she. I don't really know all the pronouns, folks. What races and ethnicities? Why would you ask that? Are you racist? No, seriously. <laughs> so, what are your child's pronouns and what are your races ethnicities? I am a he and my child is a he, she. Why would you ask that? Are you racist? A producer may want to contact you. What is your preferred email? I'm going to give them my Gmail, my old Gmail account here. We'll see if we can get them to write us back and uh, my phone number. And then that way, if they call, they will... Uh, be able to get a hold of us. Let's submit this and see. Has your child sought out mental health? Boom. We submitted it, folks. Congratulations. And now we are submitted to the PBS News Hour, ladies and gentlemen. When I get back, let's get into some serious stuff. I had to do that. Let's have a little fun with this. Let's see if they call us back before we get into the darkness that it is Dr. James Giordano. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and we'll be right back right here on Payton.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payton.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold and I have a, a he she who is 11 decades old who identifies as a rusty nail, a can of tuna and an Italian leather couch it just depends on 
what day of the week that is, folks. And so hopefully the uh, PBS News Hour will get back to us. That will make for actually a lot of fun on the show. I mean, you can do things in your life, as we know, to withdraw from the matrix. We're working on some big ideas. Hopefully have a few shows going with Legal Man talking about jury nullification and how to really mess up the government's legal system. Uh, while they're in this bridge between the third industrial era and the fourth industrial era. Uh, and then the other thing, folks, is just have fun. Poke fun at these folks. Break some balls. Uh, right here, one last thing before I get into James Giordano, but this actually relates. Marie Albany sent this over to me. I didn't have a lot of time to dig deep into it, although I did pull up some information. But there's apparently an event going on. I'm over at sam.gov, and this is Artificial Intelligence Reinforcements Proposers Day. So it's Artificial Intelligence Reinforcements, AIR, AIR. And this is a notice ID from DARPA, SN2306. And this comes out of the Department of Defense. Uh, and, and the sub-tier categories, Defense and uh, Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA. And so they published this, uh, let me see, I found the PDF file. And this is the Defense Department, uh, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA Tactical Technology Office, is sponsoring a proposer's day to provide information to potential proposers on the objectives of the AIR program in advance of a planned board agency announcement. The Proposers Day will be held on Monday, November 14, 2022 at Amentum's Ballston Conference Center located on the second floor of 4121 Wilson Boulevard, Arlington, Virginia from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Advanced registration is required. And I was thinking, wait a second, can I get some kind of press pass to this? Uh, Maybe Mike Moore could pull some strings, but I don't think so, folks, and I'll show you why. It says one-on-one meetings will be offered on Tuesday, November 15, 2022, at DARPA, located at 675 North Randolph Street, Arlington, Virginia. Details are provided at the end of this special notice. And so what exactly is the program? I don't know. I really, this must be written for insiders. I'll read it to you quick. But if you guys know any more about this, reach out to me via one of the contact methods that I always provide or via the email gold at pain.tv. It says program objective and description. Many of the outstanding challenges to the development and deployment of tactical autonomy are related to operations in the real world. AIR will focus on previously avoided dimensions that must be addressed to enable tactical autonomy in operationally relevant combat. Fully integrated sensors, scalability to larger environments, adaptability to changing conditions in open world problems, and the ability to learn predictive models that incorporate uncertain knowledge of adversary and self, as well as deceptive effects. AIR will pair existing, maturing, and emerging algorithmic approaches with expert human feedback 
to rapidly evolve the cooperative autonomous behaviors that solve previously avoided challenges. What the hell are they talking about, folks? But this just goes on. I'm making you aware of this because it's something going on here uh, at DARPA. Let me just read you this real quick. It says, the proposer's day will include information that is international traffic in arms, ITAR, restricted. Therefore, attendance is limited to individuals who are U.S. citizens or U.S. permanent residents, green card holders, representing U.S. companies only. Proposer's day will be classified at the collateral secret level and will require security clearance transmittal to amendum. Please fax your clearance and visit request to Amentum at 571-428-4358. Well, I, if I had time, I would do something like that on the show. The requesting FSO may send the visit request via the Defense Information System for security. So this is like a highly classified event. But anyway, found it to be quite interesting. Marie Albanese sent it over. So I figured, what the heck, I'd let you guys know that this was going on. There's always some kind of creepy event going on over at DARPA. It's non stop folks all right so we are now going to return to the modern war institute at west point we know that dr james giordano is affiliated with darpa which is why i brought that up as well as with many other elements of the government ladies and gentlemen and so we are deep into this and just a couple of highlights we uh we learned from dr giordano that the brain is the 21st century battlescape we learn that in your professional and personal life, you will come in contact with a weaponized neurocognitive science. We learn that they have drugs, bugs, drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices that they can use to manipulate your mind. He told us that the government is not interested in how the brain ticks and talks. They want to know how to make your brain tick and talk they want to affect the ticking and talking and so they can do it through drugs they can do it through implantable brain devices they can do it through brain helmets they can do it through the internet flashing images in front of you we learned all types of stuff from giordano so if you missed episode 65 i would go back and listen to it other people had covered giordano i am well aware of that i cover it in context to everything that we have learned up to this point through all 65 episodes so we are connecting what he's talking to back to other technologies programs government departments private sector projects academic projects that we are aware of so i think we add a new perspective to something that people may have watched a while ago so what i'm going to do here folks is i'm going to back this up about 20 seconds and then we're going to start uh this and we're going to pick up where we left off let's continue up on the screen here he has a slide for neuroscience and technology as weapons and he's got soft and hard and soft is economic leverage intelligence psyop miso hard is physical influence deterrence tools chemicals biologicals and devices so he's going to get into this now ladies and gentlemen let's continue with mad scientist dr james giordano means of contending against others formal definition of a weapon right out of the oxford old english dictionary
Okay, folks, hold on one second here because we've got the video freezing up. Uh, hold on one second. Here we go, and let's continue. Against others. And we can do that in a number of ways. We can militate their behaviors and their thoughts in some ways as to make them more amenable to what we do, the idea of positive weaponology. Or we can, in fact, mitigate and in some cases completely nullify their capability, will, or engagement to fight. If we combine those two definitions into one, what you find is those agents that will either change individuals' thoughts, vulnerabilities, volatility to violence and aggression, or incur morbidity, dysfunction, and or mortality in such a way as to then mitigate the engagement altogether. All right. Do you understand what he's talking about here? This is all where we left off yesterday, but he's talking about mind manipulation, folks. Mind manipulation. I'm going to just roll that back 15 seconds, and we're going to play that back for you. Will or engagement to fight. If we combine those two definitions into one, what we find is those agents that will either change individuals' thoughts, vulnerabilities, volatility to violence and aggression, or incur morbidity, dysfunction, and or mortality in such a way as to then mitigate the engagement altogether. Right, so he's talking about either manipulating someone's mind to basically become docile, or he's talking about basically killing them hold on let's let's roll this back again will or engagement to fight if we combine those two definitions into one what we find is those agents that will either change individuals thoughts vulnerabilities volatility to violence and aggression or incur morbidity dysfunction and or mortality in such a way as to then mitigate the engagement altogether Right. So he's talking about, you know, the, the combining it to or morbidity, which is uh, giving someone or like they would suffer from a disease. And then he's talking about mortality, right, which is um, death, death. So he's talking about uh, some pretty serious stuff here, ladies and gentlemen. And remember, I want to go back to what I started with yesterday on episode 65 before we got into James Giordano. I warned you, when he's talking about the enemy, he is talking about us. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He is not talking about some far-off enemy in North Korea, Russia, or China. I'm telling you, he is talking about us, folks. Let's continue. You still with me? That said, we can break down any form of weaponology into two discrete categories, soft weapons and hard weapons. In the former categorization, soft weapons include but are not limited to such things like economic leveraging to create economics, market values, market presence, presence at international bargaining tables to develop international power and leverage as a soft weapon. Clearly, the more we're able to make an impact in a field, in a dimension, by virtue of research, medicine, technology, infiltration to a variety of areas of the public space, the more we're able to yield economic strong-arming, economic leveraging. I think an important consideration that I'll reiterate later in this particular lecture is that there are countries outside the United States and or the West that are increasing their capabilities by intent in the brain sciences so as to be able to gain this type of economic leveraging in international global markets in medicine, science technology, and the military. Most notably among them is China. We'll talk more about that momentarily. 
How about most notably about them is the United States, all right? He's talking about economic warfare, right, which he's calling as a, as a soft weapon economy. And think about this. This was in 2018. Think about everything that happened to us right here in the United States since 2018. Think about what's going on right now with the rising inflation, rising fuel prices. Think about that stuff, folks. While we take a quick break, I'm going to roll that back because we have to listen to that one more time. I warned you, this guy speaks fast. He throws a lot of words in there and you really have to break it down and understand it. But this man is devious. He is maniacal. This man is telling you what they are about to do to us. And he's telling you back in 2018. And I think by the time this lecture is done, when we are finished with it, we will understand that he laid out a battle plan that was going to be used against the people here in the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. And this is the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's get back to Dr. James Giordano, folks. Just try to absorb what um what he is saying here. I just brought it back about 20 seconds. Said we can break down any form of weaponology into two discrete categories: soft weapons and hard weapons. In the former categorization, soft weapons include but are not limited to such things like economic leveraging to create economics, market values, market presence, presence at international bargaining tables to develop international power and leverage as a soft weapon. Clearly, the more we're able to make an impact in a field, in a dimension, by virtue of research, medicine, technology, infiltration through a variety of areas of the public space, the more we're able to yield economic strong arming, economic leveraging. I think an important consideration that I'll reiterate later in this particular lecture is that there are countries outside the United States and or the West that are increasing their capabilities by intent in the brain sciences so as to be able to gain this type of economic leveraging in international global markets in medicine, science technology, and the military. Most notably among them is China. We'll talk more about that momentarily. We will talk more about China momentarily, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we will. Dr. Giordano. So just absorb what he's saying there. He's talking about a soft weapon being economics. All right, let's continue. We can also utilize weapons in more of a soft approach, as I mentioned earlier. The more I know about what makes you tick, the more I might be able to do things like weaponize the approach that I then take towards you in my interactions and engagements with you. Here we can utilize the brain sciences for psychological operations. Most notably, one of the DARPA programs run by the case managing, by the program manager, Bill Kaysbeer, Dr. Bill Kaysbeer, who subsequently went on to be a program manager at Lockheed Martin and run their brain machine interfacing programs. Bill Kaysbeer's program was called Narrative Networks. And one component of the Narrative Networks project was something called Neural Narratives. If we understand how it is that brains and individuals, groups, and populations respond to certain forms of imaging, memes, iconographies, engagements, the more we may be able to tailor those things through our psychological operations, propaganda, meso, 
to be able to engage these individuals more Okay, let, let's play that back for a second, folks. Now, here's the interesting part. When he is giving this lecture to these West Point cadets, and once in a while they do show a zoom out of the room, and I will tell you, these kids look lost, folks, lost. Because he's up there throwing all these big words, big terms at them. And unless you're in the field of neuroscience or some type of an intelligence expert, connected to this type of science or you were trained in this field you really have to keep stopping and listening to what he's saying and then to be able to actually break this down is quite difficult and so he's talking about basically understanding what makes you tick what makes you talk and then creating information as he's talking about intelligence psychological operations utilizing marketing techniques he's talking about memes and graphics and such that play to exactly it's designed for you it's personalized propaganda basically designed to get at what makes you tick and what makes you talk let's listen to that one more time soft approach as i mentioned earlier the more i know about what makes you tick the more i might be able to do things like weaponize the approach that i then take towards you in my interactions and engagements with you see he's talking about weaponizing the approach that he takes towards you okay so if he knows what makes you tick he knows what makes you talk he can then weaponize that uh basically weaponize his response to you remember he opened up i'm looking at my notes here this conversation that we reviewed yesterday in episode 65 he opened up telling the cadets that in their personal and professional lives they would come across weaponized neurocognitive science at least some point throughout their professional or personal lives. And he told them to remember WMD squared, that is weapons of mass destruction and disruption and influence. So he's talking about disrupting and influencing. And at this stage here, he's talking about influencing. So understanding what makes you tick and talk and then basically manipulating your response through weaponized propaganda essentially weaponized information so they have intelligence on you they weaponize the response now as he's talking about memes and gifs and images you know the first thing that pops into my mind as he's talking about a soft approach a psyop designed to manipulate designed to influence is QAnon. okay QAnon is what uh, my personal guess on QAnon was it was some sort of a program probably run out of DARPA, probably run by someone like this guy. I know people have theories on where it came from, who ran it. People have said they're involved. But my guess is it was probably cooked up by someone like this and was a study an ongoing study in how to manipulate people again if they know what makes you tick and talk if they know you want to save america from pedophiles they can feed you all sorts of weaponized information to manipulate you and then essentially control your actions and if you remember let me see if i have this right here from dr charles morgan the third and he had told us that uh let me see i'm looking at my notes folks but he had said a quote that was very important it was basically if you can control the past 
uh, then you can control a human's actions. So if you could manipulate sort of the history, you can actually predict what the human is going to do. And so all this has to do with this mind melding, mind control, mind hacking. Everything is about taking control and manipulating people. Or as Dr. James Giordano would call it, influencing. They could disrupt and then influence. All right, let's continue. Here we can utilize the brain sciences for psychological operations. Most notably, one of the DARPA programs run by the case manager, by the program manager, Bill Kaysbeer, Dr. Bill Kaysbeer, who subsequently went on to be a program manager at Lockheed Martin and run their brain machine interfacing programs. Okay, so he just said Lockheed Martin, so we know that now. Lockheed Martin has a brain machine interface program or programs, as he said. So that uh, that's basically like Neuralink brain chip, the BMIs, the brain machine interfaces. So he's talking about a guy who was running this program inside of DARPA who now went on to run this BMI program at Lockheed Martin. Just an interesting piece of intelligence we picked up that we can probably go down that path later. Let's continue. Bill Casebeer's program was called Narrative Networks. And one component of the Narrative Networks project was something called Neural Narratives. If we understand how it is that brains and individuals, groups, and populations respond to certain forms of imaging, memes, iconographies, engagements, the more we may be able to tailor those things through our psychological operations, propaganda, meso, to be able to engage these individuals more. Uh, let's just run that back one more time, folks. That's very important because he's using the word propaganda right there. Hold on. Programs. Bill Casebeer's program was called Narrative Networks. And one component of the Narrative Networks project was something called Neural Narratives. If we understand how it is that brains and individuals, groups, and populations respond to certain forms of imaging, memes, iconographies, engagements, the more we may be able to tailor those things through our psychological operations, propaganda, meso, to be able to engage these individuals in more positive ways or in ways that are more influential to be able to direct their behaviors, their predispositions, and perhaps their engagements with us on a variety of levels from the individual all the way up to the political. Now, 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 let me just pause that for a second because, again, folks, remember what I told you, and I just brought it back up. He's talking about us as the enemy. So when he's saying the ability to manipulate, the ability to influence, the ability to change behaviors so that the enemy, which is us, interacts with them, which is the elites, the technocratic transhumanists, the prison planet wardens, the social engineers, that's who he worked for, um, and so that people like us remain docile and interact with them in a way that benefits them. All right, and so I pose the question, why have you not seen the people rise up over, let's just say, the last two and a half years where they treat us like dogs, like slaves, like machines, and we have not acted out against them in any way whatsoever on a large scale. We are not a threat to them. Maybe, just maybe, they've been manipulating us. Again, this speech is from 2018 to the West Point Academy. Let's continue. But then, of course, we move into the more harder forms of weapons, things such as bullets and bombs. And here, once again, let me reiterate, we're talking about, on the neuro side, are drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. Right, again, now we have that written down in our notes from yesterday. Drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. So he has this under what he calls hard weapons. And this is talking about neuroscience technology. So brain science as weapons. Drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. Let's continue. 
But of course, if we spill over the idea of soft weaponology into a hard weaponization, we also see the use of biodata as a viable weapon. Manipulating... Okay, so biodata. And this is a lot of what Yuval Noah Harari speaks about. The ability for the state to control you and manipulate you because they know you better than you know yourself. So remember, this guy, Dr. James Giordano, opened up this lecture by talking to the cadets about their digital profile and their psychological jacket that they have on each one of them. And trust me, they have it on all of us as well. And he talked about these large databases with all of this neuroscience biodata on each and every person. All right, let's continue. Of biodata as a viable weapon. Manipulating biodata so that I can then put into your particular medical records subtle information that may change the disposition of whether you're sick or not. Change how you're treated. Influence the postures that go to you in terms of insurance, care, viability for military service. By altering that information, by changing those data, by purloining those data, I essentially change the you of you. Okay, so what he's talking about here, uh, at least the way I interpret it, folks, is that he's talking about hacking in to a set of data, basically your jacket, your profile, your file. Okay, and so let's just look at it as your health file. So you go to your doctor or whatever, and there is a file your doctor has. And let's say, I don't know, you're older, you are a diabetic, you have high blood pressure. Um, maybe you have, uh, you're taking some kind of blood thinners. And so what he's talking about is their ability to hack into that medical file and change those records. Therefore, the treatment that you receive or the job you have access to or the uh, the uh, your rise he's talking to them in the military changes based on your health records changing so changing the you of you is their ability to hack in and change this bio data on you not too advanced to be honest with you i don't think that's that advanced if i'm interpreting it correctly but trust me folks when we get back there's a whole lot more this guy has thought through all of it you're listening to one of your enemies speak directly to you about what it is they can and have done to you, to me, to all of us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. I want to get right back to this, but you know what? I want to address something. I just saw a note pop in. And there's a number of people in the uh, Twitter community, the uh, pain.tv slash gold community, that have asked me to slow down. And not, not slow down, I think, in the way that I do each show, but to slow down because I'm putting out seven two-hour shows a week. And so, because I don't really do daily news, you guys can listen to these at any time you want. 
excuse me, folks, this final piece of this cold is uh, coming out of my nose right now. But no, the um, you can listen to these anytime you want. I mean, uh, so I'm going to keep pumping out the episodes. I do one show a day, two hours a day, and that will continue for the foreseeable future until I decide that the show is no longer viable. Um, I have to do it this way because... I need to continue to speak, and there's so much information to cover. Remember, this is years and years and years of stuff I've been following that I am now trying to put out there for people that haven't had the opportunity to research this stuff themselves. And so instead of you having to spend thousands of hours of your time, I could cut that down to hundreds of hours of your time by just listening to this podcast, and then you can continue to research on the stuff you find interesting on your own. But I am not going to slow down, folks, and it's not like it matters because if you get behind on this it's like watching a tv show you could pick it up at any time if you missed breaking bad or you missed ray donovan 10 years ago 15 years ago whenever it is it came out you can go back and watch that now and it doesn't matter and the same goes uh for this show and that is why i intentionally don't do a lot of breaking news because i want people to be able to listen to these episodes at any time they so choose all right so i am going to keep popping these out i can't slow down if people can't keep up that's fine just bookmark the episodes and listen to them later uh that is how it is designed to work but uh this is a college course if this was going on every day your professor would not slow down he would just keep going and you would have to get a recording of that miss class from a classmate all right let's continue here with dr james giordano and i can do that in very subtle and insidious ways. Furthermore, I can do that on a variety of different levels that can affect key individuals so that in fact your medical record changes to thereby render you incapable or at least invalid to be able to serve in a way you're serving. Or I can do that on a much larger scale, groups, populations. And if I change those data, I change the way you're being regarded and treated. And I can do that in one of two ways. Okay, okay, pause there for a second. So again now, he makes the point right there that he could hack your file individually or he can hack a group of people's files and change their data in this file, rendering them incapable of accessing whatever job, benefit, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. And so that's similar to what I told you when Dr. Charles Morgan III said that they could create a disease targeted to one person's DNA. And let's say they knew that I was going to be in, uh, let's see, Nashville, Tennessee. And so they dropped this bioweapon on Nashville, Tennessee. Nobody gets sick, but it only kills me based on my DNA profile. And I told you, if they could do it to one person, they could do it to a group of people based on, let's say, several traits within people's DNA. They could group it no matter what, based on if you're uh, European, if you're blue-eyed, brown, whatever it is, they could target entire groups of people and so now he's talking about data bio data hacking into data and let's say changing a classification on an entire group of people so just put it in simple terms let's say you have your child's kindergarten class and there's 30 kids in that class and so there's 14 of them that they don't want to be able to i don't know get on to the kindergarten soccer team whatever that is 
And so there's 15 kids they don't want to get on. Let's say those are the, uh, I don't know, let's say they're Caucasian kids. And so they could change their bio data. It says each of them has a heart murmur. And the next thing you know, they're disqualified from getting on the soccer team. That's basically what he's saying in simple terms. All right, let's continue. I can do it in such a way that you're going to be regarded in a negative sense. Or I can do it in such a way that I'm going to treat you incorrectly. If I say, for example, you have a particular allergy, or you have particular sensitivities, or you have a particular disorder, you will be treated for that. And that could then harm your health and your stability in both a short wars approach as well as a long wars approach. Okay, so you heard that. That's the other part of what he's talking about there, folks. The ability to put into your file that you have diabetes, right? Or that you have some sort of uh, issue with your blood pressure. And the next thing you know, the doctor is giving you blood pressure pills. You know, and then the next thing you know, that goes to harm you because you're getting a treatment that you shouldn't be treated with. Now, Let's see if he talks about how this could be done. I don't know. Let's say, for instance, you gave people a COVID test, and that COVID test was returning a false result. In fact, the test results were then kind of like hacking your bio data because it tells you you do have COVID when you don't have COVID. And the next thing you know, you're taking a bunch of drugs that let's say you don't really need. That is how I would do something like this. I'm just throwing an example out there, something that most of you could relate to because we're very well aware of COVID and COVID land, the high school theater production. All right, let's continue. But if we take a look at this in a little more detail, you can see that once again, it falls back to the idea of what can we do to ours and what can be done to others. Clearly, one dimension, one domain of operational viability and value is to enhance the capabilities of the combat and intelligence operator across a range of scale abilities in both general purpose and more select forces. And this is the idea of neuro enablement. Okay, so what he's talking about here, again, up on the screen, he has a <clears throat> neuroscience and technology battle space applications. So basically brain science battle space applications. And he's talking about operators and war fighters, neuro enablement. Advanced Neuropsychopharmacologics, Computational Brain Machine Interfaces, Closed Loop Brain Stimulation Approaches, and Neurosensory Augmentation Devices. So he's talking about the ability to manipulate the mind of the warfighter, let's say what he would call the good guy, and the mind of the enemy, the bad guy. So right now he's talking about the mind of the quote-unquote good guy, his team, his team, not our team, his team. Neuro-enablement. You will hear this referred to in a variety of different ways. Performance optimization, enhancement, enablement, maximization. These terms mean something. A number of years ago, our group was tasked with the Air Force to develop a lexicon, a nomenclature, that would be able to define these in more precise ways. I'm not bore you with that now. But the idea of enablement gives forth, I think, a particular meaning that's relevant. You're enabling individuals to do some aspects of a performance of a task that is germane and justified to their operational mission and that is in fact done with regard to protection of their charges. So in other words, we're saying, we're gonna make you good to go and we've decided that this is good. The reason this can become problematic, of course, is that what definition of good are we using? What we define, whoever the proverbial we may be, to be good, might be quite different than what they, whoever the proverbial they is. 
And as a consequence, we have to keep a much broader window of opportunity and possibility open to be aware for the potential benefits, burdens, and risks that this type of engagement may pose. What types of things can we do to make our people better, if you will? Well, certainly we can use a variety of advanced psychopharmacologics and neuropharmacologics, in other words, drugs. And I refer you to a wonderful book written by a colleague of mine. Okay, let's just pause for a second here. Um, because we got to take a breather again. Here he goes where he's packing all kinds of information in. And so he says, of course, he's, he's mixing in the ethics, right? So we have to think about the proverbial we and the proverbial they. And if we think something is good, what's the definition of good versus they who's receiving the treatment versus we giving the treatment and who thinks this and thinks that and thinks this. You see, folks, it's just a bunch of problem reaction solution going on and you're going to continue to see this and other stuff we're going to review having to do with the ethics of the cyborg soldier 2050 which is he's basically talking about right here so you see how they're creating a whole series of problems coming out of this all right let's continue what types of things can we do to make our people better if you will well certainly we can use a variety of advanced psychopharmacologics and neuropharmacologics in other words drugs and I refer you to a wonderful book written by a colleague of mine, Professor Jonathan Moreno, called Mind Wars. First edition came out in 2006, second edition came out in 2012. And Professor Moreno does a very good job in defining and explaining the history and historicity of the way the brain and cognitive sciences had been used in national security, intelligence, and defense operations, both by the United States and more globally. And what we see is that this is certainly not a new event. We can look back into antiquity and see that there have been attempts to try to maximize the performance, capability, sustainability, and protection of those individuals who are operational warfighters, literally from ancient Roman Greece all the way to the 20th and now 21st century. It's the tools and techniques based upon the understanding and depth that we have that increases the granularity and specificity of effect and increases the sophistication and gravitas of outcome. Okay, so do you understand what he's saying here? I mean, are you picking it up? Because I'm, I'm trying to get back to where I was yesterday where I'm not going to pause this thing every sentence for you. Some of this stuff, you got to just let him talk. As I said, he's like a talk radio host, and he likes to throw in a lot of uh, you know big words, combine them together. Some of the stuff, to be honest, he is, uh, he is just trying to sound cool in front of a bunch of children. Um, he's at the West Point Military Academy talking to the cadets about brain science and the brain being the battlefield and uh, obviously you can see he spends a lot of time in the classroom uh, i was just going to remind this back for a second because there were some important parts of this there have been attempts to try to maximize the performance capability sustainability and protection of those individuals who are operational warfighters literally from ancient roman greece all the way to the 20th and now 21st century Okay, so part of what he's talking about there, we've come across this before in some of the podcasts featuring, let's say, Dr. Peter Emanuel and Diane Dulius. They start to make justifications for what they're doing now, building these transhumanist monsters, because they're saying, well, in the past, throughout history, so-and-so gave their warfighters drugs to sharpen their mind or to allow them to stay awake for a couple of days, so tapping into the head creating iron man's creating incredible hoax is okay because this stuff has been done 
in the past. So, folks, I'm going to let you take a quick break from him. You have to because, as again, he talks so fast, folks. And I had a lot of people write me uh, over the last couple of weeks, as I said, I was going to get to Dr. James Giordano. told me that they listened to him a couple of years ago. It was terrifying, but they really didn't understand it. And if I sat here and broke down every single thing he said, it would take us a year to get through this speech because, as I said, he likes to pack a lot of information into one sentence. But a lot of what he says really isn't that important. He just likes to use a lot of adjectives, a lot of bullet points, a lot of footnotes, when in fact what he's talking about is brain hacking, mind control, and now he's talking about using drugs, pharmaceuticals to enhance a warfighter's behavior. That's what he's getting into right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. He is Dr. James Giordano, and we are going to finish breaking him down when I get back. This is pain.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks, thank you for coming back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and we are reviewing analyzing this lecture by dr james giordano a complete and total madman ladies and gentlemen if you ask me does this guy not sound sort of crazy to you he gets up in the morning he puts on his suit and he comes in there ready to perform ladies and gentlemen he loves this stuff he makes it sound like they are i mean i think his objective remember he's all about basically mind-bending he's like a a a hypnotist Uh, he's like a tony robbins he comes in there and he's got his speech ready to go he knows how to manipulate these kids and so i think he he tries to come in there like he's on the set of uh, a marvel movie and uh, that's like how he talks about science to these kids he tries to keep them engaged Ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do, I'm Dr. James Giordano, and so we are going to manipulate people's minds using psychedelic transferal medicational devices. I mean, that's like what he sounds like. Transcranial stimulation helmet N3 cubed over at my friend, Dr. Bill Casper. Uh, he works over there on the Neuronative Neural Networks, Neuroscience, and Neuronimal. Like, what are, you, what are you trying to do here, folks? So he tries to make it seem almost uh, comical here, or like he's some sort of a, a t- television character but um we have to continue to listen to this because this is it folks this is mass mind control of what he's getting into admitting that our brains are the battlescape i gotta give it i gotta give it to uh alex jones whatever you think of alex jones uh and i have my own theories folks in fact i tend to believe that he might be bill hicks um you know whether you think alex has always been a disinfo agent, a misinfo agent, a controlled opposition, whatever it is. As I said in past shows, 95% of what disinfo agents say is true. They're just there to lead you 
in the wrong direction or they're there to lead you back into the uh, right left paradigm or they're there to uh, sort of like I showed you at the beginning of the show with the tweets right so here's all the reasons to show that anthony fauci covered up a mistake well everything they're going to show in there is 100 percent accurate but the disinfo is right in the first sentence saying that it was all fauci's fault and it was a cover-up on behalf of a, a mistake and that's the disinformation that's where it leads you astray so it starts off with this false premise that it was all a mistake and so that's what this guy's talking about, the ability to mind control. And I think it's very important to understand this because now you will start to realize what happened to Americans, the people we thought would stand up and fight side by side with us over the last two and a half years under COVID land, the high school theater production, a giant psychological operation. All right, let's continue, folks. It's the tools and techniques based upon the understanding and depth that we have that increases the granularity and specificity of effect and increases the sophistication and gravitas of outcome. The more we know about the brain, the more we can develop ever more selective agents to affect the structures and functions of the brain in cognition, emotion, and actions, and the more we can do so in a way that's more like sharpshooting rather than buckshotting. All right, so there he's talking about basically being able to use a laser pointer to affect a specific part of the brain. The more they know about the brain, the more easily they can manipulate the brain. Of course, I told you he likes to dance around and use all these crazy adjectives, and he loves to use the word gravitas constantly over and over and over. I think he said it about seven times uh, during this lecture. Uh, and if I were there, I'd smack them upside the head and say, listen, speak in layman terms to these cadets. They have no idea what you're saying here, pal. What are you, some beatnik poet at a poetry night trying to flow these words? These kids have to be asleep in this classroom, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's let him continue. Respectively, drugs can be somewhat dirty. What I mean by that is they can have a host of adverse effects, some of them side effects, some of them direct effects. And very often what we'll find is that unless we're able to deliver the drugs directly to a particular site in the brain or elsewhere in the nervous system, they can have heterogeneity of effects throughout the body. And that can lead us to some undesirable outcomes. But we don't need to be limited to drugs. No, no, no. We can also use a variety of computational brain machine interfaces that are both closed. No, 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 folks. You heard him? No, 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 no. We don't just have to rely on drugs. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We can use them in combination with brain-machine interfaces. Now, let me just point this out to you before we continue to listen and analyze what he is about to say here. What did I just spend the last several episodes talking about? The rollout of psychedelics, which, which I believe comes straight out of MK Ultra Mind Control programs going back to the 1950s and 60s that we are rolling out psychedelics coupled with VR and AR headsets. I showed you the latest Apple VR AR headset that is supposed to be rolled out uh, within the next 12 months. And so when you couple the AR VR headset access point to the metaverse with the psychedelic drugs, you have effectively what he's talking about. Now, I eventually, 
when I have time, I'm going to do some research and try to prove, because I don't think I've any anyone else talk about this. If you have, send it to me, and I'll try to get them on, or I will use their work and credit them, that the VR or, and or AR headsets are the first iteration of the consumer version of the transcranial stimulation helmet and or the brain machine interface but it won't be as let's see he mentioned yesterday what did he call the brain a transcranial neuromodulation device and he talked about that being planted in the head and then we also have the helmet which is the trans uh, transcranial electronic stimulation helmet right which is the non-invasive uh, the one without the surgery. And so the AR VR headset, as far as I'm concerned, is probably the first iteration of the brain machine interface. Um, and so that's probably going to grow into what will be the consumer side uh, of this product that people can just put on without having to drill into their head. Maybe they figured out that there's only half the idiots out there in the world that will allow them to drill into their head. The other ones, they just have to give them the glasses. So let, let's see what he says here because he's going to talk about coupling drugs with the BMI. Let's continue. Dirty. Uh, what I mean by that is they can have a host of adverse effects, some of them side effects, some of them direct effects. And very often what we'll find is that unless we're able to deliver the drugs directly to a particular site in the brain or elsewhere in the nervous system, they can have heterogeneity of effects throughout the body. And that can lead us to some undesirable outcomes. But we don't need to be limited to drugs. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We don't have to be limited to drugs. No, 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 no. All right, let's continue. We can also use a variety of computational brain machine interfaces that are both closed and open loop. And these include things like transcranial magnetic and electrical stimulation. Stimula there we go. The transcranial electronic stimulation helmets, folks. You thought I was kidding. Now that's Dr. Charles Morgan III, as well as Dr. James Giordano, both mad scientists for the government, talking about the transcranial electronic stimulation helmets, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. Now we are getting somewhere. The fine doctors of the United States government speak about the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet. They can have heterogeneity of effects throughout the body, and that can lead us to some undesirable outcomes. But we don't need to be limited to drugs. No, no, no. We can also use a variety of computational brain-machine interfaces that are both closed and open-loop, and these include things like transcranial magnetic and electrical stimulation, stimulating the vagus nerve transdermally, or if you wanted to get somewhat more invasive, but certainly more specific, brain-machine interfaces by virtue of deep brain and superficial brain implants. Okay, so there you go. So he just talked about a wide range of mind control, folks. A wide range of mind control techniques from the implantable brain chip. We're going to just say this in layman's terms for you because if you listen to this speech a couple of years ago, this lecture, I understand how you were quite confused. But now we get into some interesting stuff, folks. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, we do. He's talking about utilizing drugs which will be in the form of psychedelics remember this is four years ago talking about drugs he's talking about implantable brain chips and he's talking about helmets 
that you put on top of your head. Now, put this into context with what is going on today at the Veterans Administration, where we have the guinea pigs, the people we play with, that we injure in war, we bring back here, and we manipulate them. Oh, that's admitted to by doctors Peter Emanuel and Diane Deulius, as we covered here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So let's just take them, for instance, and they bring these guys back to the VA. They load them up with psychedelic ketamine, psilocybin mushrooms, and they strap on the VR headsets. And, oh, the VR headsets that are the access points to the metaverse, of which they have admitted they needed low-latency, high-speed Internet. So now they have a partnership with Verizon, who is wiring up all the VAs with high-speed uh, 5G uh, networks so that they can have the veterans walking around with the VR goggles while they load them up with the psychedelics. And this guy, representing the DOD, representing DARPA, representing the state, representing the military, is standing here in front of the West Point Academy cadets at the Modern War Institute talking about, four years ago, this technology... This combination of drugs with brain interfaces, whether implantable or non-implantable, invasive or non-invasive, and he's speaking about it there, talking about doing this to either, one, our good guys that we're going to turn into super, uh, super soldiers, or the bad guys, and we are testing it on the veterans who they brought back, who they injured in war, they brought them back with PTSD, they brought them back with missing limbs, and now they're loading them up with drugs, and they're wrapping these VR goggles around their head. I'm telling you, that's the first iteration of the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet, and we are testing it out on our own guinea pigs right here in the United States, and no one, as far as I know, has connected these dots, and it is talking about it. So give yourself a pat on the back, if you stuck with the dust and gold standard, because we're uncovering real bits of intelligence in real time using publicly available information, but analyzing it in context to other pieces of publicly available information and putting it all together. And let's see what Dr. James Giordano continues to unveil when we get back from this break, because folks, there is a lot more we are going to learn from this mad scientist, this Frankenstein doctor. In fact, this guy is actually a Frankenstein monster, to be honest, a monster doctor. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back, we will continue. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Folks, we are back from the break. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, you heard it right out of the mad scientist's mouth. They can manipulate you with a transcranial stimulation helmet, but they can be much more accurate in that manipulation if they can implant one inside your brain, which is... Uh, 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 which is exactly what he is about to get into. So let's pick up right where we left off. And I shall tell you that one of the leading projects in developing state-of-the-art brain implants is a DARPA-funded project aimed at the medical side for the treatment of neurological and neuropsychiatric spectrum disorders. And this program is called Subnets. 
systems-based neurotechnologies for emerging therapies. But what you also need to appreciate is that that DARPA program, like any program that is oriented towards engaging brain function to then alter those functions in certain ways, directional ways, can be harnessed for what's called dual use, medical purposes that are then depurposed to medicine and used for other agenda, inclusive of warfighter enablement and enhancement. You hear what he just said? Exactly what I've told you in many, many episodes. That if you believe that they are developing these technologies, whether in the quote-unquote private sector, academia, or in the government, for the purpose of helping your grandmother or repairing your great uncle's, uh, you know, his hip broke, he no longer has use of his leg, they are using those people as the guinea pigs, and the ultimate goal is that they are going to utilize this technology for themselves. And so that's what he just said, dual purpose. So they'll develop it inside of DARPA for medical purposes, but then it's going to be used, as he's talking about, for cyborg soldiers, which I believe the end goal is that these quacks are going to use this type of technology, this transhumanist technology, on themselves in their quest for immortality and to live life as some sort of a robot god all right let's continue furthermore we understand that there are a number of nations outside the united states some of whom are allied others that are at least competitive if not combative that are engaged in these types of programs looking at the capability for transcranial and deep intracranial modulation of brain function to improve the functional performance of military and intelligence operators across a range of viable missional tasks Okay, so he's now saying we have enemies out there that are developing the implantable and then the helmet to use for their war fighters. So all these other countries are developing cyborg soldiers. We better do it. That's where that comes from. We are not alone in these pursuits. And I think that's something that needs to be appreciated. But it's not just a question of what we can do to our own. Because very often in raising these questions, we tend to what I call err on the side of moral probity, and we recognize that there are particular limitations, limits, boundaries, thresholds that cannot and perhaps should not be crossed in terms of what we can do. And if we intend to cross them, we only cross them with consent, and that consent is highly contingent upon the necessity of a continuity of research and clinical care. Okay, so now he's saying, uh, well, there's certain things we here in the United States can do based on our current culture and our set of ethics and morals and principles and values and such, and we should only cross those limits with the consent of the person who we're about to manipulate. Of course, when you go back in time, not very long ago, in the history of the United States, we have MKUltra, of which we've explained pretty much in depth here there's a lot more to it a lot more side stories we're going to eventually get back to that but in an, in the end we were running experiments without people's consent using lsd to break their minds and then we went overseas where we could get around u.s law which i don't think even matters to these people anymore and we were actually mind-breaking and killing people in secret prisons we set up, torture chambers in Europe and East Asia. So the United States has no problem breaking the ethical boundaries that these folks pretend we have. And you don't think for a second that old Dr. James Giordano is going to get up in front of the West Point Academy on a video that who only knows why they released this to the public and is going to say, we violate these rules all the time. No, they have to pretend that the stuff that they're doing is completely normal and ethical. And they do that by pretending that they won't cross some fictitious 
ethical boundary in which everything they're doing is crossing an ethical boundary. Everything they're doing is about the merger of man and machine, transhumanism, anti-humanism, post-humanism, no more humans, the engineering of humanity out of existence. But no, 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 he will tell you that there's some ethical boundary that they can't cross unless they have the consent of the person who they're about to turn into a Frankenstein doctor. All right, let's continue, folks. Understanding what happens to the individual once they've been enabled and enhanced, and what may happen when they're no longer enabled and enhanced, in other words, more colloquially, when Superman goes back to being Clark Kent, what happens to Clark becomes the burden obligation of our responsibility. However, those ethics... All right, we heard some of that in the conversation with Dr. Peter Emanuel and Diane DeUlius, okay? We heard that conversation, the beginning of the ethical conversation about them giving you superpowers and then taking your superpowers away. That's a good way he put it. When Clark, uh, when uh, Superman goes back to being Clark Kent, all right, we'll hear this in future conversations we're going to analyze on the ethics of this, but you're going to see how much of a joke the ethics is because the people running the ethics boards have already said this stuff is inevitable. So the discussion on the ethics behind creating cyborg transhumans, it's already settled. They already said they're going forward with it. It's impossible to stop it. All right, let's continue are not homogeneous on the world stage. And the idea of pushing the envelope of what can be done to the combat, warfighter, and intelligence operator, and perhaps more broadly, to those individuals who may oppose particular regimes and or maybe military fighters against your own regime, is very often bounded by, and in some cases deconstricted, by philosophies, cultures, and ethics of those individuals who may be competitive, if not combative to us. So in other words, this can also be weaponized against others. And this is where we get into the idea of novel neuroweapons. Once again, this is not necessarily new, but the momentum of this dimension of the field has accelerated as a consequence of increased understanding of the brain and increased capability to develop tools and techniques to access and affect the brain. Okay, so now what he's talking about is no longer on the side of... Uh, let's say, utilizing this neuroscience's brain science, the drugs, the implantable brain chips, the stimulation helmets, to build a cyborg soldier for your team, for your side. He's now going to talk about how to use some of this neuroscience's brain science to hack the mind of the enemy. So in this particular case, I say the enemy is us, me and you. Not North Korea, not Russia, not China. Me and you. The people who stand up, who speak out against the state, against government, we are the enemy. So let's see what he's talking about he can do to the enemy. So what are we seeing here? Well, take a look. We see enclosed neuropharmaceuticals and organic toxins. What's new about this is the enclosed nature of this. Increasingly, we're not seeing these things as weapons of mass destruction against gross aspects of the population. Although, certainly, many neuroweapons such as sarin gas and VX and other forms of neurotoxic agents can be leveraged against large groups of people, but that's messy. More specifically, perhaps, might be targeting individuals on a level that allows either direct attribution or covert engagement with non-attribution. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Okay, so he's going to talk about now, if you, if you uh, missed that and didn't pick it up, because he's using his uh, sort of his um, trickery there. But he's talking about 
you can take some of these drugs, uh, some of these bioweapons, and dump them on a whole city of people and just kill everybody, but it's messy. And now he's going to talk about the ability to target an individual or group of people utilizing these bioweapons. Let's continue. So this gentleman is the leader of some group, a political group, a social group, a combative group. And under the veil of a white flag, he and I are now to have some kind of a caucus, a meeting. And during that meeting, what I do is I lace the rim of his drink or his pen or his seat or something in his immediate environment with very, very low dose drug or toxins that are going to affect his stability. They may affect the way his brain works. And as a consequence of that, they can affect the functions of his brain. All right. So uh, let me just tell you, I mean, not that this really matters. We're dealing with monsters here. But the example that he chooses to give, uh, that Dr. James Giordano chooses to give, is that you or him, he is meeting with his enemy under the banner of a white flag, meaning the person is willing to sit down and have a discussion. And yet he is going to slip him some kind of poison. Okay. Well, think about all of us in the form of an enemy. They meet you under the banner of a white flag to be tested, to get antibodies. I don't know. To get your hydrochloroquine, whatever it may be, your jab, your vaccine, under the cover of the banner of the white flag, the white flag of the doctors and nurses, and while you're there, they slip you a poison. I'm just laying out another example, folks. I'm not saying they poisoned you. All right, I roll that back. Just listen to it one more time. Engagement with non-attribution. Let me give you an example of what I mean. So this gentleman is the leader of some group, a political group, a social group, a combative group, and under the veil of a white flag, he and I are now to have some kind of a caucus, a meeting. And during that meeting, what I do is I lace the rim of his drink or his pen or his seat or something in his immediate environment with very, very low dose drug or toxins that are going to affect his stability. They may affect the way his brain works. And as a consequence of that, they can affect the functions of his brain, his thought patterns, his relative emotionality, and the behaviors that go along with that. One of two things might happen. He might be completely incapacitated as a consequence of this, or he may change his level of capacity and engagement so that he went into the meeting thinking, I hate this guy, this guy's my enemy. He walks out of the meeting going, I love this guy, this guy's great. Now, what could happen if, in fact, this is a gentleman who has charismatic, financial, elected, or dictatorial power? It may be that his followers will then follow him blindly. He came into the meeting as a leader of those followers who were bellicose, who were volatile, who were violent and aggressive. He comes out of the meeting, he tells them to change their behaviors, and they do. Or I could sever the trust. By now, he leaves this, this meeting. He's espousing a very different philosophical stance and orientation, and his followers no longer adhere to his precepts, his tenets, or his lead. And I fractured the relative arrangement of trust engagement, capability that he fostered. Now, listen to me. Listen to me, because this is really important. You've heard me talk about President Trump before, okay? And I know on this show, at least the people that came over from Pain.tv, 
who uh, joined us over at pain.tv slash gold, the people who have been listening to the Thomas Payne podcast the last couple of years, who maybe followed truepundit.com, Mike's previous website that he built up uh, starting back during the Trump campaign of 2015. And so you know my thoughts on President Trump. And I'm not saying this is the case, okay? I'm not saying that President Trump was ever on our side. I don't know if he was ever on his side. We don't know who is actually on our side and against us. You don't know what people really hold inside their hearts. At the end of the day, I try to give you bits and pieces of my life, my history, where I came from, what got me involved with politics, my upbringing, who my father was, the things that shaped me and my worldview. And that helps me build trust with you. And hopefully you end up trusting me to vet this information. You trust my opinion, my analysis. So you never really know, though, what's in someone's heart. I don't know if President Trump ever cared. I don't know if he was just a narcissist. I don't know if he was on board with the bad guys and his job was to screw us over from the beginning. He was just a Trojan horse. I don't know. There were stories that the generals came to him and told him he was going to save America. Maybe that happened. But maybe they were actually playing him. Maybe he was actually a useful idiot, and they came to him and they said, we're going to save you, but the generals, maybe General Flynn, was actually a spy there to set Trump up. Get him in. It was never supposed to be Hillary. It was going to be Trump. And then they used Trump, and they manipulated him, the entire presidency, to the point in which he was then stuck with COVID-19. They got him to go out there. They got him to promote the vaccine, maybe all against his will. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they drugged him. Maybe he is not acting as the Trump that he was before. Not saying that Trump was ever our friend or he was ever 100% transparent or honest. He could have just been someone who was an opportunist. And so these generals, these spooks, these intelligence agents, people that are trained by people like James Giordano, Charles Morgan III, Dr. Peter Emanuel, you know, maybe they manipulated him, brought him in, and he was a useful idiot. But there were times throughout President Trump's presidency, again, I'm not saying he's a good guy because of this, but I am saying there were times throughout his presidency, and I studied him to the T the first two years he was in office, actually the year leading up to it and then the first two, because I had that comedy business I've told you about, and I used to do a Trump impression, and so I studied him all the time i would go on podcasts dressed up like him or do voices of him and i saw him change and i saw times where president trump came out and he seemed to be completely different than he was 20 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago he would change his mind on issues float back and forth and now you have someone like dr james giordano very influential wields power with this in uh, within this intelligence science neurotech community he sits on boards committees works with darpa works with different government agencies how do you know a guy like him or dr charles morgan the third didn't develop some sort of drug that they slipped to someone like let's say let's just say it was president trump it would be very easy to do obviously they bring him his food it's just some spook embedded in the secret service which is what just a bunch of spooks anyway and so they bring him a drink he doesn't drink oh was he drink diet coke or something or coke they bring him a drink and it's in there and before you know it they get him to change and twist and turn and manipulate him so i'm just showing you how easily this could be done 
At the same time, folks, at the same time, they're about to roll out mind-altering drugs. They already have them. I mean, the big pharmaceutical drugs like Adderall are mind-altering drugs, but now they're going to load it up with even worse mind-altering drugs, the psychedelics like ketamine, psilocybin, and the rest of that stuff that they're about to roll out on the masses. And so we covered that for a reason because now you're hearing Dr. James Giordano confirm this stuff, how they are playing with and manipulating the minds of our soldiers and our supposed enemies. When at the end of the day, folks, I'm telling you, we are the enemy. There is no reason to believe that this government loves us in any way whatsoever ever they hold you up at gunpoint every april 15th and take your money if you're someone who works hard they take your money from you with the threat of taking away your property taking your bank account making you homeless throwing you out on the street with your kids and your wife or your husband or whatever it may be this government does not love you and now you have one of the mad scientists admitting to so much of the stuff that we talked about here that was my opinion here is all coming to fruition through the words of dr james giordano and then on top of it he's talking about drugging their enemies i mean this is outrageous stuff folks and when we get back tomorrow on episode 67 i'm going to jump right into this and then i have something planned for the second hour of the show that hopefully will happen and uh, we'll see if that comes together but hopefully it does but as i was saying earlier folks someone like alex jones talked about this being an information war and he was right about it being an information war but it's even worse than that folks it is a mind war this is a war for your mind but these guys are going to hack it they're going to control it they are going to steal it from you and if they can't do that they're going to just do what Sidney Gottlieb worked on, which is to break it and drive you into complete insanity, ladies and gentlemen. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.